0: The Mysterious Bluffs, part 10. Hi, this is Michael Midas, and I'm at home, in front of my computer, sipping on a scotch and soda after surviving the organist's funeral at the New Moon Church. Now, the previous episode of The Mysterious Bluffs ended in the church, just as Bill, the blind ex-fireman, was telling Constable Randy and I about a raffle ticket salesman that tried to strangle him with a hangman's noose. I would have to call this a strange incident. It would be the first time in history a guy working for a good cause happened to have a noose on him in case he ran into a blind man that he could strangle with it. According to Bill, while the raffle ticket salesman had the noose around Bill's neck, He said that all blind men should die. Now, I can't imagine a better boogeyman for Bill. I'm not calling him a liar, but the timing of the alleged incident, it was right before he discovered that his neighbor Lily Visser was found dead after she was missing for a week or so. And there were no marks on his neck, and he didn't want to file a police report, even though Constable Randy was right there with us and offering to do so. And Bill said he didn't want to file a report because it would never be as important as Lily Visser's death. What Bill meant by important intrigues me. And there are two options that strike me as possibilities. His unabashed compassion for Lily made him realize how fortunate he was to be alive. He was still a survivor. And in good faith, he let the harassment from the raffle ticket salesman slide so the police could invest more resources into finding Lily's killer. Or was he simply saying, in a roundabout way, that his story was a lie and we should brush it off without further word? Though the new story seems strange, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, as I've never had a reason to call him a liar. During our conversations, we've always been at odds with each other, not that we ain't compatible but that we put honesty above pleasantry. Yes, Bill speaks his mind. So it's better to trust him than a yes man who agrees with you for the sake of their comfort and then turns on you to please someone else they fear more. But Bill did make sure we knew that he cried after finding out about Lily's death. At least he knows it's the right thing to do when someone you care about passes on. And I've never heard him mention he cried before, so it's not just a go-to phrase he throws in to show he has feelings. You know what? I have to believe Bill's incident with the raffle ticket salesman really happened. Why? Because the reason he would make up such a bizarre story isn't half as important as the podcast I'm about to listen to. It's about a man who inspired me to wear my lucky socks on Wednesdays. Here we go!
1: Hello! This is Felicia Fedorov, and you're listening to Chasing the Dragon, the true story of legendary Swiss darts player Johann Johan, who won the international championship in 1989 with the highest score ever recorded. His foray into the professional darts world was like no other. At the age of 35, he worked in building restoration in his hometown of Bern. He had never been near a dartboard in his life, but his hobby of collecting trinkets he found at work would soon change that. As the legend goes, Johan Johan was converting an abandoned hostel into a Turkish belly dancing school. In the basement, he discovered a rare silver coin from China underneath a dusty stack of after-hours magazines. Now this coin, which had been pressed in 1889, was shinier than his girlfriend with nothing on but scent and lotion. At first sight, the horned dragon on the coin gave Johan Johan a passion for success he never felt before in his life. But also, an urge to drink vodka came over him. Which was odd, since it was before noon that day, and he only drank at night. Johan Johan went for lunch at a nearby bar, where he could satisfy the craving. He ordered a schnitzel and a screwdriver, but when they arrived, he was no longer in the mood for them. There was a drunk man aimlessly chucking darts in front of him. Though Johann Johann had never played the game before, he was infuriated by the man's careless effort, so he challenged him to a match. On Johann Johann's first game ever, he got a hat-trick, which is three bullseye in a row. From that moment on, His destiny was clearer than a nude beach in a hurricane.
0: Hello? Jeeves, how's business at the antique store? Great, you sold the Victorian birdcage. You sound nervous, Jeeves. Maybe even worried. What? Someone stole the company van? The detective forgot to lock the door after he searched it? Did you call the police? Call them! When did you discover the van was missing? Jeepers! He hung up on me. And the second time today. I'd almost say it was a strange occurrence. But he does hang up occasionally when he's at the store and a customer asks him a question. Maybe he was asking himself a question while we were talking on the phone. And he had to hang up to answer it. What would that question be? How much is his freedom worth when he talks too much? Now I'm not in the mood to finish listening to the podcast. I better figure out what's going on. Hmm, how about I call Constable Randy? Where did I put his number again? Ah, it's under this deck of 1955 playing cards from the Riviera in Las Vegas. Hello, Constable. Michael Midas here. Yes, I have important information for you. My company van has been stolen. The detective who searched it must have left it unlocked. Well, I don't know for sure, but it's never been stolen before, and we always lock it. So I can't think of a better reason this would happen. Hide what evidence? The detective searched the van already. Of course I can't prove he left it unlocked. Anyways, I'd like to report it stolen. What do you mean you're off duty? You're always around when everything else is happening. Yeah, I'll call the station. The one near my store. I better look up the police station. But first I have to feed Finnegan, my neighbor's cat. They took a surprise vacation and... No, no, hold it. I just remembered. The constable wants me to get a receipt for him, for the tattoo iron. After I feed the cat, I'm going down to my store. Why don't I take Bill the blind ex-fireman with me so he can see for himself the serious attention Lily Visser's death is getting? It'll encourage him to report the raffle ticket salesman who put the noose around his neck, or at least admit it was a con job to get more sympathy than her. Oh my, a massive explosion. I better look out the window. There's a bright orangey cloud of smoke in the west, downtown, about where that aquarium with the sharks is located. The cloud is growing in size like a balloon filling full of air. I better check the news and find out what's going on. My computer has gone blank. Nothing is happening to it when I push the power button. But my authentic Tiffany lamp is still on, so the electricity is working. Let me try this shortwave radio sitting on the shelf. My great uncle Lester bought it during the Korean War. It was my inspiration to get in the antiques business, and it's still my inspiration to get through the hard times. Something must be jamming the radio waves. Maybe nobody has a shortwave radio anymore.
2: John and Gina met each other at a dude ranch in Wyoming on a week-long summer retreat. The magic happened when they were learning to lasso a pair of bull horns. Of course, in these politically correct times, the bull wasn't real but a riding lawnmower with a pair of baseball bats tied to the front end. And by the way, the mower had an engine that ran on walnuts and salt water. A few precious moments together and John and Gina couldn't keep a foot away from each other, even to throw the rope properly. A few lasso tosses wound up in the mud. They went back to the cookhouse for some franks and a shot of tonsil paint. After the cook prepared their grub, they grabbed a table on the wooden patio. The beautiful Owl Creek Mountains were in the distance, so they enjoyed them from the corners of their love-struck eyes. Man, the only reason their lips stayed apart was to stuff down the franks and calm their grumbling stomachs. But once the snack was finished, they were energized like rabbits in a sugar cane field. John felt it was a good time for a toast, so he raised his shot glass up in the air. Here's to our lousy rodeo skills, he declared. They drank down the whiskeys like good sports, then basked in each other's gaze. The fiery liquid crawled down John's throat until he couldn't take the heat anymore. He wheezed a little, then coughed. Sounds like you caught the flu in a forest fire, Gina said. I'm a wine drinker, actually, John admitted. Why'd you come to a dude ranch? You should be at an Italian wedding. John sunk his eyebrows down like she was totally out of the loop. I couldn't find an Italian wedding close to the secret military base behind them mountains, he said. This is an amazing place to film strange lights in the sky. Gina laughed at his face, then looked over to the mountains. You didn't come here to find the woman of your dreams, she asked. Unless she's green and three feet tall, he said.
0: Darn! I really wanted to hear that they were gonna stick together. I'm sure they do better than Zelda and I. Oh well, I should find out if the city was nuked by terrorists. What a coincidence! Here's an emergency alert text sent out by the government. A catastrophic event has occurred in your area. Please find shelter immediately. This is not a drill. Well, that doesn't say much. I know more by looking out my window. In fact, I should have another peek to see if the cloud is still there. The night has almost set in, and the fiery aspect to the cloud has waned, so nothing much is left to see except a dense grey matter blocking out the early stars. I hear a few sirens in the distance. An ice cream truck is driving slowly down the street. It doesn't belong in sight at such a late hour and during the wrong season and with a catastrophe lurking in the background. As the white cubed vehicle drives closer, it becomes clear that its tires are flat. It stops underneath the streetlight outside Sven and Ebba's house and the driver gets out. He's tall and wide, has a hardened face and is wearing a black leather jacket. He reminds me of a leg-breaker in a Bulgarian gangster movie. He goes to the front end of the truck and looks over the damaged tires, then leans his head against the vehicle to sulk. I feel alarmed in a sympathetic way, as he's probably a victim of the explosion downtown. Hmm, what should I do? Do I pay him a visit in order to offer support? and risk getting contaminated in case a dirty bomb went off? Or do I sit here and watch him suffer alone while I feel lonely because my wife ran off with her fitness instructor? How about I invite him in for a coffee? But he might get nuclear fallout on the Persian rug in the living room. I know, we'll visit in the kitchen and the next time the housekeeper cleans, I'll get her to put iodine in the mop water. I put on a jacket and mosey on over to where the man and his ice cream truck are. Excuse me, sir. Are you all right? The man turns around and looks at me with his sulky eyes. They got my brother, you know. Who got your
3: brother? The police. He fell out of truck when I turned corner. I told him door handle doesn't work, but he don't listen. You were being chased by the police? Yeah, they almost caught me. I ran over Spike Strip, and drive fast no more. That's when explosion happened. The police cars turned around and went other way.
0: So you don't know anything about the bomb?
3: No, I never listen if somebody
0: talk about that. I mind my own business. You better mind your own business if the cops are after you. They always pay attention to the crooks with the most information. I'm no crook. I drive ice cream truck. My job is make people happy with sweet treats. You're getting a head start on the ice cream season. It's the middle of spring. Where I come from, summer has weather like now. Then why would the cops go after you?
3: I was speeding to baseball game. But it's not the season. Okay, I'm Russian mobster making delivery of guns and
0: drugs go on? In an ice cream truck? That's the most pathetic disguise I've ever seen. It reminds me of the guy who dresses up as a priest so he can smuggle live organs. Now that I think of it, you're from Russia, so you probably don't know baseball season from Easter. You try to find a game any time of the year. No,
3: really? I'm bad man. I'm lucky to be free from jail.
0: Yeah, that's what all the ice cream vendors say. Filling cones with scoops doesn't get the ladies. So you compensate by telling everyone the contraband in your truck is worth enough Benjamins to fly around the world 50 times in a private jet. So how do you think I have lit tires? The explosion blew them out. And by the way, here's another thing about a big tough guy like you. You're too embarrassed to admit that you're the victim of a catastrophic accident. So you come up with some BS story about the cops chasing you? Come on inside. Let's have a coffee. And we can talk about your real problems. No, I have to go now. You're not going anywhere with those tires. Please, stay away from me. Just one coffee, man. It's nothing between new friends. Ugh and of Part 10, The Mysterious Bluffs.